eternal God, whose word silences the shouts of the mighty, quiet within us every voice but your own. Speak to us through the suffering and death of Jesus Christ, that by the power of your Holy Spirit, we may receive grace to show Christ's love in lives given to your service. Amen. Our gospel reading is from John chapter 12, verses 2 through 16. So they gave a dinner for him there. Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those reclining with him at table. Mary, therefore, took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, he was about to betray him, said, Why was this ointment not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief, and having charge of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Jesus said, Leave her alone, so that she may keep it for the day of my burial. For the poor you always have with you, but you do not always have me. When the large crowd of the Jews learned that Jesus was there, they came not only on account of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priests made plans to put Lazarus to death as well, because on account of him, many of the Jews were going away and believing in Jesus. The next day, the large crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, crying out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the king of Israel. And Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, just as it was written, Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. His disciples did not understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things had been written about him and had been done to him. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of each of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Last year, on Palm Sunday, we were still in the very early stages of this pandemic. Thank God we are approaching the final days of it this year. Last Palm Sunday, I assured you that it was okay to feel weird about having celebrations like Palm Sunday and Easter in the midst of a global pandemic, and it's still okay to feel weird about it, friends. Many of us are vaccinated or on our way to vaccination, which means that we can start hanging out together safely with other vaccinated people in, in ways that seem familiar to us, ways that we used to, and that will include Sunday morning. But today, we aren't a crowd waving palms and dancing down the aisles, not quite yet, and that's okay. That doesn't mean we can't capture the spirit of this day. Palm Sunday is a day that we associate with the large crowd praising Jesus, the part with the palms. 
And in fact, I myself encouraged you last year to try to channel the energy and celebration of the little children in the crowd to get us through a difficult time. This year, as we are all looking for the what now stage of the world, and we're weary, and we miss each other so very much, I want to look away from that crowd. We should be looking to the future, but I don't want to miss the beauty of the present. This is something we talked about on Wednesday night at our book study reading the Screwtape Letters this past week. Don't miss the present. There is something sweet and special in this time of preparing to burst back out into the world again. So often, when we read this gospel passage on Palm Sunday, we miss what I have come to believe is the most beautiful part of it. We go straight to the crowd, cheering and waving branches for Jesus as he comes into Jerusalem, but we miss such a beautiful moment of love and sacrifice when we skim the part where Jesus is anointed by Mary and Bethany. It begins a little less than a week before the Passover, the day that we know in retrospect Jesus will be arrested. And instead of jumping straight to the crowd, John the Gospel writer shows us this beautiful little dinner scene. Martha is there. The woman who just a few verses before made a very bold confession of faith that Jesus is indeed the Messiah. She said this right before he healed her brother who had died. And her brother Lazarus is there as well, the one who Jesus not that long ago raised from the dead. And we have Mary, who many scholars consider a disciple in every way, except she just didn't get the title because she was a woman. And here we see Mary, the disciple without title, offer up to Jesus a precious and holy moment of love and dedication. We don't usually think of smells when we think of praise, but why not? We think of sight, the beauty of the room, the stained glass windows, perhaps wearing our Sunday best for some. We think of hearing, music, taste, the cup and the loaf at communion. So why not smell? This is the praise that Mary offers to Jesus, and the whole room is filled with the smell of the perfume. The whole room is filled with her quiet and sacrificial act of praise. But then suddenly Judas jumps in and he ruins the whole moment. Why are we wasting this? He asks. It could be sold and used for charity. Judah's question sounds legitimate. That's kind of wasteful when there are people starving to death. 
But the gospel writer John lets us in on something. Judas' motive. He didn't care that much about the poor. He was dipping his hand into the money bag. So what would have happened had that perfume been sold for the poor is that part of it would have gone to charity and part of it would have lined Judas's pockets. Judas lets his own selfish, misdirected concerns ruin a beautiful moment. What's worse is he tries to do it and still sound like the righteous good guy. Gross. Then Jesus quotes Deuteronomy 15, 11. There are some pretty overt references to psalms and prophets in this whole passage, especially the next part with the palms and entry into Jerusalem. But this reference to Hebrew scripture is easy to miss. Deuteronomy 15, 11 does say that the poor will be with you always and then goes on to say, and therefore take care of them, because they're always going to be there needing your care. So Jesus is not saying here that you should not care for the poor. What he's saying is that you also can't get so wrapped up in changing the world that you fail to stop and worship. And also, that you don't get to judge how others choose to show their devotion in an act of adoration. This moment in Jesus' story, in the story of the disciples walking with him in his last days, this moment is for worship, not for self-interested piety or righteous grandstanding. Jesus says, be present, be here and now, the time is coming. Those are helpful words for us all right now as well, I think. Be present, be here and now, the time is coming. Quiet praise is still powerful. In fact, I would argue that quiet praise is often more powerful. It's not always just about the dizzying crowds and the palm branches. There is a time and a place for Mary's sort of simple acts of worship. That palm branch waving crowd turned on Jesus pretty quickly just days later when he did not turn out to be the sort of savior they were hoping for. That crowd on Palm Sunday wasn't worshiping Jesus. They were worshiping the idea of a savior that would chase out the Romans. But Mary, she stayed by his side to the bitter end. Even Peter denied knowing Jesus, but Mary, the disciple without title, never budged. I think we're drawn to the crowd because that's the scene we most readily identify as worship. It looks 
the most like what the church usually does on a Sunday morning when we gather. Singing, corporate spoken refrains, decorations. But like Judas, that Palm Sunday crowd's motives weren't entirely pure or on point. They were complicated. Judas probably did care a bit about the poor or wanted to care about the poor because Jesus did, but he also cared too much about his own self-interests. The crowd was genuinely excited about Jesus and quoting scripture that seemed to foretell this moment. They just misunderstood what Jesus and this moment were all about. It was all so complicated. But Mary's act was simple. It was pure. It was uncomplicated. So this week, as we enter into Holy Week, may your connection to God be simple, pure, uncomplicated. Don't worry about what it looks like to others. Don't worry about how others are connecting or worshiping. Be present. Be here and now. The time is coming. Amen.